Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yes, guys. Welcome back to episode 28 of the Canon Podcast. And all three of us are here, George and Alex, to talk about Arsenal. Chelsea versus Arsenal around the corner. Some news on Jude Bellingham, potentially, who could have signed for us. We'll talk about that. The evolution of Arsenal's midfield. And of course, we've also got some news on Jadon Sancho and Edu Gaspar. So, a lot to break down today. So, we're going to start off with Martin Odegaard. Alex, I saw your video about Odegaard's evolution. And if you can summarise for me, what do you think Odegaard is changing this season? How do you think... I saw the start, obviously, in terms of his pressures applied. He's very good at pressing. So, what do you think Odegaard's impact has been for Arsenal this season? Yeah, I think... I think broadly, well, hello. Welcome to Hello, the um, uh, Also, we were just talking off air. Do you want to tell us about your water-based uh, revelations this week, Bevs? Uh, just drink your water, lads. It is, it is <laughs> a true game changer. He said he felt like he'd taken the pill in Limitless. Yeah. Was it yeah, ZV, ZV by, being, by being hydrated. Yeah. Um, Prime hydration. I... Not sponsored. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, sponsored. Uh, one day. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I, I think the big thing with Odegaard so far... I feel is we we might need to transition to a new way of thinking about how he plays on our team. I think I've seen the phrase chief creator, which I think it was probably true for maybe the last, when, when did he come in? 2021? 2021, yeah. 21? Yeah, tw- 20, maybe, yeah. So he came in at the end of the, ah, that was it, the end of the 2021 season, had 21-22. So the last like two and a half seasons, I think he has been our, basically our chief creator or someone whose things have run through. We're expecting high expected assist numbers. We're expecting high expected goals numbers and all that sort of stuff. I think now what we're seeing is an evolution to more of the guy who Arteta runs his kind of tactical plans through. I think essentially we're seeing the guy who can do different jobs. You, uh, I think Georgie mentioned this on Twitter, not that you're on that website a lot. Um, the uh, yeah, like the the way he, if you go if you go look at Erdogan's performances this season, the the disparity between like the North London derby performance, which by the way wasn't a particularly good performance in terms of passes completed, but he was also right on the last line compared to the PSV performance. We played almost more like a traditional ten compared to the Bournemouth performance where he dropped back and linked play a bit more compared to United, where he was on the edge of the box. He's doing so many different things at this point that I think I'm starting to realise. Ah, okay. I think the idea, and this is just my idea, but I think the idea 
was that Havertz comes in is the guy who is actually closer to the box. Fabio Vieira, remember when he first came in, Ed, you said this is a guy who's best closest to the box. Mm -hmm. So actually, I think now that release valve has meant that Erdegaard can be like, with the idea, I think, is with a Vieira or Havertz to allow Erdegaard to be anything, to be the guy on the last line, to be the guy who can drop, depending on what the game needs. And I think it was that for what well, I'll finish on that quote. What is it? It's like, um, watch Busquets, you'll see a good player. Watch, was that don't watch, what's that phrase? I don't know, I can't remember what it is. Don't watch, uh, watch the team and you won't see Busquets. Watch Busquets, you see the whole game, whatever okay. that phrase is. And I think that's now, uh, that's now closer to what I think Erdogan is for this team in terms of you watch him and see what Erdogan is specifically doing that day versus Chelsea versus Bournemouth mm -hmm. versus whoever we played. I think you'll start to be like, okay, I can see what Arteta's trying to do tactically here because he, as he makes little tweaks, but I think Erdegaard is maybe the biggest tweak because frankly, he can do it. Do you know what I mean? He's smart. Mm. But in terms of that creativity, it has declined this season. We've not seen massive big chances created or key pass numbers. So in terms of how he's evolving and his long-term potential of his Arsenal team, George, where do you see Erdegaard's role? Is it obviously, we could keep talking about the transition to the left-hand side, maybe moving over. But with it being so important for Arteta tactically in the whole pressing and stuff, is he actually suited more to the right-hand side? Or is it a fact that Odegaard can get better and Arsenal need to give him a better environment to thrive? Um, it's multifaceted, kind of like how you're alluding to. I mean, I, I did a little post on the X today. Just kind of, I, I was thinking about our you know, out-of-possession uh, kind of uh, facets, and I kind of made this claim in my head and as well to other people. Are Arsenal the best out-of-possession team in the world right now? For me, they are. And, you know, I'm having a look at, you know, how diligent we've been in terms of our transition control, in terms of how we've been able to stifle opposition. But also, you know, Alex, you kind of mentioned just a bit of it, but I'm thinking not even just the North London Derby, not even the first half against Manchester United, who, by the way, that was probably one of the most starkly different off-the-ball structures that I've seen Arsenal do across mm -hmm. the board. We're very man-to-man. -man. As of last season, we engage high up the pitch very quickly. I hated it, but it worked. We hated it, <laughs> but but yeah. for, from, a, from an aspect of whether or not we like it or not, it was the complete opposite of a theory. You know, sit off, protect the mid-block, allow United to have possession in the first phase. Very different. Then you go back to even Bournemouth, and if you guys remember, that was one of the better games from Martin Odegaard, at least in the league this season. And I'm looking, and that was more of a deeper role that we asked him to play. You saw him cheating Ward towards the left of the pivot, but also coming deep, sitting a little bit more and offering himself as a solution to Declan Rice. You then go on PSV, again, another great performance, maybe more of a nominal 10. We added a little bit more central access in that role. All in all, you're seeing this guy perform multiple roles. And one of the biggest things that I've said to Martin Odegaard, I get kind of uh, critique for being a Martin Odegaard hater online, but it's not that. It's for me, I don't think that we've built a role for him in this team this season that gets his strengths or showcases his in-possession qualities. I don't think we've solved that quite yet. Out of possession, Martin Odegaard is incredible. I mean, I, I think his... His flexibility is what allows us to be so good out of possession. If you start to look at some of the ways that he doesn't have a marking bias, I don't think that, you know, he is somebody that only presses in the right-hand side of the pitch. I mean, when you have a look at it, I think he's made something like um, a total of 253 pressures across the Premier League, which is the most in the Premier League this season. He's had over 100-plus pressures in both the middle third and the attacking third. It's not something that, you know, he's afraid to do in other areas of the pitch. And so for me, when I start to look at that, I start to look at a player that is just complete in all phases. And it kind of tails off a little bit of Alex's point in his video when he talks about comparisons between um, him and Gerard, not necessarily as a player or quality, but more so in terms of 
him being a solution in multiple areas of the pitch and him being a, a leader that the team does rely upon in different areas. So for me, when I look at it, he's a lot higher this season. Babs, you talked about the creativity issues. Look, it's backed up in the statistics. In terms of looking at his zone 14 entries, he's only had something like seven shots. He's had uh, eight incomplete passes in those areas. He's only completed 14 passes from zone 14. And of those, only um, three have, have entered into the box or gone into the top of the D. The rest are outside and they're on the flanks. And so he's only had one chance created, one successful dribble there. So it's clear we're not accessing him in, in the middle where he's traditionally been very good. And that is in opposite to last season. And when I look at his attacking sequence involvements again, you look at the numbers, and again, his chances created are quite low. But then when you look at the number of shots that he's doing compared to build-up actions, those are what dominate his, um, his actions on the pitch this season. So clearly he's done a different role. I don't think it's suited him in possession. Um, but we need to make use of the fact that Martin Odegaard has become one of the best midfielders in the world at crashing the box, right? That, that is a fact. And I think it's, it's carried through this season. And so whatever you do with him, you don't want to move him that he loses his influence off the ball. You don't want to lose his influence crashing the box. And what we do want to do is add a little bit more influence in the middle of the pitch. Those are three things that I think we need to myriad together to make sure that we get the best of both worlds with Martin Odegaard. I think there's a way to do that. You kind of alluded it to it, Babs. I've always been a fan about putting him a little bit more to the left-hand side of the pitch, pairing him with a runner, seeing whether or not we can introduce a little bit more chemistry because right now what we're noticing is he's very high up the pitch. I need him deeper. That's the first thing. Whether that's on the left or on the right, I believe that Martin Odegaard is best for this team when he offers himself in deeper areas and he offers himself as a solution. It doesn't mean then that you ignore his late box crashing. It actually gives him more space, by the way. That's another little coaching thing for me, that when you do have a deeper role, you have more space to crash into the box. And the one thing I've noticed, and I've mentioned before, I don't think Martin Odegaard does well to open onto his left foot in a shooting aspect. And we've seen how many shots that he takes. We've seen where he takes them. They haven't been in the best areas. And that's been a frustration at times. I think there are hard times that you know he can lay off or release a little bit quicker to a better uh, proposed person. But then again, He's somebody that I've always felt like traditionally has not released the trigger. So you can't you can't critique when he's gone too much the other side. We just want a little bit of myriad here, I think. And um, he's such an important player that I just think that we can do more in possession. And this idea that Martin Odegaard may not be a Mesut Ozil, I think that's something that is uh, is is troubling to some people because I think he's got the vision, but we just don't see it in this current role. You go back a season before. He was primarily responsible for the pass before the pass. He was doing a lot of those things that, you know, Mesut Ozil does in terms of a creative midfielder. Now he's doing a lot more off-the-ball work, and that's more where the praise is. So you look at a rewatch, Odegaard shines, but you look in the game, it struggles, and you don't see the influence about us actually working the team through him in possession. But out of the possession, it's a different story. So I just think when you have a myriad of those two, you see the best of Martin Odegaard. I think he needs to be paired with a runner. I think that he does need to do a little bit more work in deeper areas because I think he is one of our best um, technical security midfielders in the squad. When I look at it, mm -hmm. he offers me solutions. And I think that if we're talking about a team that struggles to get into the center of the pitch, surely you put more of your players that are good in tight spaces deeper and closer together so that you can solve that problem. I don't think we've done a very good job about pushing our eights this high. And I don't think it's Martin Odegaard's um, instinct. This is clearly instruction from Mikel. So I'm not blaming Martin Odegaard. I think that we need to rework how we view our eights generally. 
in terms of solving this kind of problem that I think we have in the middle of the pitch. Um, and so I think that's the one thing with Martin Odegaard's role that we got to try to talk about because I don't think that there's somebody in the squad that offers the same pressing, that offers the same ability in build-up to kind of get us out of tight situations and also crashing the box. I do think it's not something that you associate with Martin Odegaard, but for me, I've not seen a player better than, you know, than Martin Odegaard since maybe Lampard and Aaron Ramsdale in terms of their ability to crash Ramsdale? the box. Sorry, um, Ramsdale. Aaron Ramsdale. Top of eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to put him up there. Sorry. Um, but yeah, no, I think um, his ability to crash the box is among the best in the world. And again, he's so intelligent at it that we need to give him the room to do that and the freedom to do that. If you take that away, mm-hmm. you lose a big part of, of Arsenal's attacking threat. Yeah, I think the question then becomes, though, in terms of the midfield this season, if our midfield, and we're talking about the best midfield possible here, is Rice as an eight as well, then what happens to Odegaard in terms of that drop-off and, uh, and building up play? And is he then allowed to play higher up the pitch and play more as a number 10? So, you know, in terms of that whole part A of Rice and Odegaard midfield free dynamic, especially against Chelsea, Alex, like, do you think that is the go-to? Or would you go for maybe a Vieira? If Chelsea are going to be defensive. I know you keep talking about how games can change and players can change, but ultimately that midfield three is what fans believe will be our, we're going to Madrid, we're going to the Bernabeu, that midfield three started. The cheat code. Yeah. What what do we think Chelsea will do? Probably what? Caicedo, Fernandez, and Gallagher? Yeah. yeah. Is that their three? They fit? Mm-hmm. So I think against that, what have you got? You've got, You've got someone. Look, I know we clown Enzo, but he is a very, very good player. You've got someone who defensively can it can do really well on the transitions in terms of stopping transitions. In terms of Caicedo, it's quite a physical a runner, midfield. Gallagher, if you're really, it's, it's quite, it's quite leggy. Like, it's, it's quite. It's, it's, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of running in there. So I think, yeah. So then, how do you counter that? And look, you could try and match it. You could say, okay, do we go with a a, a more runny or, or more physical midfield, and maybe do you put Habits in there to, to have those duels? What would I do personally? I probably would go with the midfield you mentioned, Babs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because overall, George sort of touched on it a little bit in terms of the central access, which we're all talking about. And, you know, I, th- I think there's a little bit of chicken and egg here in the sense that, like, we are asking for more off the ball, so there won't be as much in terms of uh, sort of attacking threat and central access. But also I think that has swung a little bit too far personally. And I think we're winning games a little bit by the skin of our teeth at times, which is probably a concern. But then you take the off-ball ability. You know, at the same time, we're saying we're the best off-ball team in the world. Yeah. So we can't expect the attack to be functioning. You know, So so it's it's finding that balance, which is hard. Obviously, you want to be the best on and off-ball team in the world, but that's very hard. Um, so yeah, I personally, I've been really missing Thomas Partey. Not on a personal level, just like in terms of like I've I've really missed his progressive passing. I've really missed that ability. We saw it against City, right? That passed to Tommy Asher, yeah, straight up, and that was a, a lofted ball. But those balls through the center, that ability to find his nine, I think is underrated actually about Tar Thomas uh, uh, Tate. Um, that ability to get the ball out to Saka. Hopefully, if Saka's fit, so I th- I think. I've really liked it. If you look at if you look at the difference in the way that Rice and uh, Partey play the six, mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily been acknowledged as much. I think basically people go, well, you know, you stick Rice in the six, and he's like a bit more defensively sound. Actually, if you look at the the, the passing networks and if you look at the sort of average position maps, Rice scampers into the half spaces a lot. He goes forward, he gets forward, and Partey's much more of a central hub. And I think for me we missed that a little bit. And I think at the moment, 
I would love a midfield where we have that progressive passing from from Thomas Partey. We have that sort of ability to get forward, but also drop into the pivot with with Rice. I wonder how that will work with Zinchenko. I don't think we've quite seen that, and that Partey-Zinchenko-Rice thing. That, that's something interesting to work out. And then with Erdegaard, I think that solves a lot of our creative issues, for want of a better word, or makes us mm-hmm. as solid, but still means we, we can get forward and access those central areas a little bit better. That said... As I, as I mentioned, I think there's always a trade-off. And I think if you have Thomas Partey, Rice and Odegaard in the midfield, how do you get someone to access that uh, in a, in your inverted fullback if you're trying to create that too? So I, I don't know. But that is the midfield I would start, I think. And this is the thing is, is against uh, the idea of, you know, oh, well, every game's different, 100%. But it's also about finding solutions that really makes sense. You don't want to have 57 solutions. Like, you know, you don't want to do that. But what you want to have is a maybe two or three really good solutions, mm-hmm. really, really solid solutions. And it's not about, you know, when I say, well, every game's different and every situation is different. It's not about saying, well, then one week Habits plays and the next week Vieira plays and the next week the Kitman plays. Then we have win. It's not that. It's just how do we how do we create the best solution for that game out of a couple that are that feel like they're world class. I think for for Chelsea I probably would go for that just because of the issues we've been mentioning. Mm-hmm. Well, talking about evolutions, Arsenal have also evolved their goalkeeper from Ramsdale to Raya. And now Ramsdale oh, has yeah, been in good. he has been in the media and he's been saying he, he feels down. He's been crashing the box. Yep, he's been crashing the media as well. He's been saying, Listen, man, I, I want to be playing. He's 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 sad, which is understandable. I think fans have taken that and gone some fans are going like, Why are you speaking? Keep quiet, but players will have to speak. He wants to play. I understand it. And maybe he feels like he needs to go to the media or he's been asked and he said, why not? Um, but ultimately speaking, I think we have to ask the real question is, has it been worth the evolution? Has it been worth going from Ramsdale to Raya? And looking at how Raya performed against City and how Arteta spoke about him after the whole, I love what he was doing. You know, he's got the balls and stuff like that. He's literally saying that this keeper was doing something that maybe Ramsdale wasn't doing. And maybe there was even like a not, not really say a shot fired, but almost a little dig at Ramsdale saying, look, I've seen other keepers change the way they play, whereas Raya just kept doing it. So I think, George, the question is, has Raya been that much of an upgrade on Ramsdale to go that he will be our long-term goalkeeper, long-term number one? Thanks for checking out the Canon Podcast. To hear the full episode, sign up as a YouTube member on this channel or go to patreon.com forward slash the Canon Pod. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.